Welcome to the Carrero Podcast. Before we get started today, we would like to inform our listeners that Carrero is supported by edX Global. It's an international nonprofit where we work with K-12 students as they work with their local and global communities, providing service learning activities. In 2022, we are asking for your support in raising $20,000. It is to assist our students and their activities in creating gardens for schools and communities, purchasing and delivering blankets for the homeless, providing curriculum for teachers across the world, purchasing backpacks and filling them with educational items for students in need, and collecting and delivering food and toiletry items for the local homeless organizations. You can donate with Venmo using at edacts-global, or you can go to our website, which is www.edxglobal.org, spelled edacts G-L-O-B-A-L dot org and donate. We appreciate your support. Thank you. Hi there, this is Malia Hoffman. I'm here with Fred Ramirez. You're listening to the Carrero Podcast. Today, our guest is Matthew Reynolds. Matt is a high school visual arts teacher in Southwest Ohio. He earned his BS in art education with an ELL endorsement from Olivet Nazarene University in 2012 and he has an MFA in visual arts from Jacksonville University in 2019. He works with his wife, Sarah, in the district that they and their two children live in. Hi, Matt, thanks for joining us today. And uh, could you get us started and just give us a little background about what you're currently doing and where? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So I'm a visual art teacher at West Carrollton High School, which is in Dayton or near Dayton, Ohio. I'm the the art department chair and have been teaching there since 2014, which kind of feels like both a long time and yesterday at the same time. Um, But yeah, that's where um, I taught two years before. I taught a year in Illinois and a year in California. And then when my wife and I landed here in Ohio, we, um, I was able to land the position at West Carrollton and have made that my home since. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. One of the things that that's unique about this, about interviewing you is that, um, your family is, is the first family of Carrera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having interviewed your, your, your brother whom, whom I met, um, out in Vienna and then your mom. Um, so I'm, I'm always curious about family dynamics and stuff. Um, what you, can you tell us something unique about your own family? It's interesting when I, I like, I don't see our family as all that unique. That sounds terrible coming out, but like, <laughs> uh, I, I think that part of it is like my, my mother was in education for forever. And so we just, grew up seeing her and like hearing kind of her life as a teacher. Um, and so, so Brian pursued 
art education and Brian's um, six years older than me. And then, so I'm the youngest of my mom's three boys. And then my middle brother, yeah, (laughs) babies in the family. Um, My my middle brother studied aerospace engineering and kind of went off to be a rocket scientist. And then I had my life all figured out in high school. And then after my senior year, when I had already accepted into the the one university that I applied for, I had this whole like life change and was like my kind of instant thought was like, well, I want to, like, I love working with kids. And so like go into the profession that I can work with kids and have the most impact on them. That's really cool. And, and so was your, one of the things that, that I'm, that I'm looking at and I'm researching is uh, people who influenced teachers um, because I think, and then, and then finding those, those teachers and finding out who influenced them. Yeah. Um, so who were, like, was your, was your mom one of your, one, one of your teachers and if <laughs> she, in, did she influence you or, or was it, or was it other, other teachers? And, and I don't want to make it seem like, like your mom didn't, didn't yeah. influence you in any way. That's not, you know, that's not, right. okay. um, but how was that coming, coming from a, you know, coming from a family of educators. So I think the the influence from my mom is one of those things that I see more as I get older. Um, if you would ask me like five or six years ago, if like my mom was the reason I'm in education, I probably would have said no. Um, but like my, my family line, like my mom was a teacher. My grandma was a teacher. Several of my aunts were teachers. My uncles was teachers. So like it kind of education runs in the family. Um, but when I decided I wanted to be a teacher, I actually had this moment that I like was deciding what I wanted to teach. And really the only thing I was able to rule out right away was math. Like I did not want to be a math teacher. Um, and then I kind of thought back through my own list of teachers and I had a, a high school art teacher that I had for three years. And she was one of the first people to like really kind of see through this like facade that I put up as like this super good kid. And she saw me as the troublemaker that I was and um, accepted me for who I was. And um, just, I really, like I always have enjoyed art and decided that that was the, that was the field I was going to pursue. So I think that um, like, yes, looking at hindsight, my mom being like steeped in education um, directed me. But I think at the time, most immediately was my high school art teacher. Okay. You mentioned that your brother's in art as well. Um, Is there a lot of art, artistic talent in your family or where does this interest come from? Okay, wait, wait. Okay, first of all, I need to preface something. Now, please don't be one of those art teachers that says, well, we're all artists. Because <laughs> believe me. <hey. laughs> so, so I, I, I guess that's just my bias. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so my dad was a, a musician. And so we always grew up kind of with music playing in the household. Um, and he played guitar and 
so I don't know like exactly where the the art came from. Um, there are a couple people back through my family tree that were artists or like painters or whatever, um, kind of like on the side. But I think that growing up, I saw the value in creating things, whether that was music or art or like fill in the blank there. Um, and then just, it was something that I really enjoyed doing. Do you have a favorite medium? I do. So I love working with watercolor. Um, and I, when I was doing my master's in fine arts a couple years ago, um, which is a terminal degree in the art world, I was working on these watercolors and I saw one of my, my cohort members was doing an oil painting and she was doing it on this like birch panel. And the back of the panel was really interesting to me. And so I, she gave me a chunk of that and I started playing around with watercolor on a wooden surface. And then I pulled in um, wood burning into that or a pyrography. And so my, my kind of forte has become this combination of wood burning and then watercolor on that panel. Very that's cool. cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. See, and I've, I, I dabbled in watercolors when I was like in fifth grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, we would, we would get that like strip of like watercolors in that plastic thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and I found, then I quit because I'm like, well, all my colors are turning brown. So, yeah. so now my colors are all brown and I didn't know how to, you know, do things. Yeah. Even though watercolor is my favorite thing to like personally work with, um, it's not my favorite medium to teach just because there's a lot of, a lot of room to like muddy up your stuff and make it all, um, super brown. Because if you're like, if you're painting one section and you've got another section that's like kind of wet, then those colors are going to bleed into each other, which if you're not wanting that is really frustrating for kids. Um, so my favorite medium to teach is oftentimes clay or ceramics because there's like, there's a set of kind of guidelines for when you're working with clay. And then beyond that, I found that like my students are able to be a lot more successful or feel successful um, earlier on with clay than they are with watercolor, where watercolor just gives a lot of like, there's a gap between like what you did in fifth grade and like what you see professional (laughs) watercolorists doing. And it's hard to find success like through that gap. That's Um, interesting because what you, what you just shared is kind of what, what, again, I was, I was, I was sharing is that um, I would get a lot of flack for my, for my pre-service teachers because I would, you know, I would teach, uh, I would teach, you know, secondary ed method. And so they would like all the different subjects are in there. And then about art, I'm like, yeah. I'm not an art teacher. Yeah. Um, and they would always get mad at me and raise their hand. Oh, no, we can all be artists and stuff. Um, you know, and so, and so what you, what you just shared about success, I think is something I've never heard in the, from, from art people, because I was, I was thinking in my bias, clay would be one of those things that you don't want to start off with, but I'm yeah. thinking 
yeah, because you could, if you mess up, well, let's just clump it back up. Let's throw it, you know, and then, okay, let's try something else. Yeah. With, uh, so it's interesting with my art classes because I have a lot of students who are there because they need to be put somewhere. And then I've got a handful of students who are there because they really want to be there. Um, and so we have in my, in my department, when I was hired on, we had two digital art classes and two studio art classes for the, the two of us art teachers. And we, in my eight years at the high school, have grown that. So we've now got five digital art classes and six studio art classes. Um, and then a year-long college art history class that I teach that kids are walking out of there with six college credits. Um, but yeah, the... I, I heard a quote on TikTok the other day that the only natural talent that an artist has is the desire to create and everything else is a learned skill and that some people pick up those skills quicker than others. Um, just the way some people pick up musical instruments quicker, some people pick up sports quicker, um, but all of those are skills that are learned. Um, and the only real like natural talent is the desire to create things. That's, that's really cool. So uh, if the desire's there, yeah, then you're gonna figure out how, like my first couple pieces as I was like working wood on watercolor, like my, my lines look chunky and amateurish. And like my first couple watercolor paintings were terrible and, I feel like I'm getting to the point where my work is like less terrible um, or more consistently good. We tend to be critics of our own art more often than other people are. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day with my students, I've got to balance that um, instilling in them that like everything that I'm teaching is a learned skill. So if we're drawing um, from observation, my Studio two classes, we've been doing gesture drawings and like drawing the human body in movement. And it's like, that's a learned skill. And like some people are going to pick that up quicker than others, but everyone can pick up that skill. And so like one of the reasons that I like working with clay is that like they can see kind of in real time, whether or not they're being successful with that. Yeah. And they're, understanding of success when they're like building a three-dimensional thing is very different than their understanding of success when they're looking at like a two-dimensional drawing or painting because like it like exists in the world in front of them. Yeah. I like that you said it's a learned skill because I think a misconception that we have with artists is that it's all natural and it comes very easy and you know, you just have the gift or you don't. And like even Fred, you know, was like, I'm not an artist. Um, yeah. But it's just, it all just takes a practice. And it's also nice to hear that you, you know, you've been doing this forever and, you know, people would say you're an expert at it, but you're like, yeah, my work is getting less bad. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, like even writers who are really good writers feel the same way about their work. And um, so it's, it's nice to have, um, to hear, you know, someone who's accomplished in it and who, who does it, you know, and who's passionate about it still, I guess, you know, feel humble about, about their work. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Well, and one thing I always tell my students when like I come in and like do some marks or like mix up paint and like I can do it really quickly. Um, and they're like, Oh, you're so much better than me. And I was like, well, I've been 
doing this longer than you've been alive. Yeah. So like, yeah. I've had more time practicing. You've been you've been mixing skin tone for like twenty five minutes here. <laughs> I've been doing that for a decade or two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you get better the more you do things, yeah. um, and we just we tend to compartment compartmentalize that and like not apply that to art. Um, and like on that, I have some students who are like wickedly talented artists with the, whatever their mediums are. And one thing I found is that talent can sometimes be like a crutch where they like find something they're really good at when they start and then they don't branch out or they don't develop wider skills or they don't like push themselves. Yeah. And so sometimes my like talented kids that walk in as freshmen don't end up being my most like successful artists by their senior year because the kids that are coming in are like, I really want to learn how to draw and like their drawings are terrible. Like they keep working at it mm -hmm. where sometimes the, the natural giftedness within that subject matter can get in the way of people putting in the time to like get good. You like know. if I'm naturally gifted with numbers, I'm not going to bother studying the math stuff that comes easy to me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get stuck later on when like, I need that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I would just say that I'm a huge advocate for art, um, even though, and it's, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking in my, in my, um, in one of my book bookcases here mm -hmm. and about 25 or 20, 22 years, years ago, I was, I was teaching, teaching a teacher ed class, I, I said this and for, and for my birthday, one of my art students bought, bought me like $200 worth of art stuff. Nice. Um, and a 16 by 20 canvas that's in mm -hmm. plastic. It's still in plastic. <laughs> I'm so deadly afraid of ruining yeah. the canvas. Um, and, and all the paints are still there. They're in this nice little, you know, powder case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and, and, and she bought me like the blades and all that stuff mm -hmm. to just start doing it. Um, what, so I'm, so thank you. I'm, I'm pro I'm, this is okay. You're my Matthew. <laughs> you're my therapist. <laughs> so now you're going to take the canvas out of the plastic today. I'm a, I'm a therapist for a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's, that's one of my questions. What, what would you wish to tell elementary and high school students who are, who are interested in studying art, but kind of have this fear? I would say work with what you're interested in and then find the people that are going to support you. Um, like I think back to when I was growing up and like the internet was something that you like dialed into on a phone line. And like now I, like I set up some, some pieces of art in a coffee shop in Dayton here uh, just the other day. And like, I was taking pictures and like plop those up on my Instagram, like at a red light. Um, so you can find the communities that exist to be supportive of you. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are just kind of hating on things that people make, but as like, as adolescents, as young elementary, high school, middle school age kids, like 
do the things that are interesting to you and then find places where you can get feedback on those things. Um, I know that in my sphere of influence, like working with my high school kids, you kind of mentioned that like I was doing therapy here for you. Um, and like when we're working, I'm coming alongside kids and I'm look sitting down and like working with them on their stuff. And like, I hear the things that they're talking about and sometimes I'll hop in and like make jokes. And sometimes we'll like have really serious conversations that have nothing to do with art yeah. and the school counselors joke that I'm like an art teacher, but I'm also like a part counselor. Um, because I just find those kids that like need an outlet or need something. So in my time at West Carrollton, I've um, like directed the art club, but then that's kind of branched off and I formed our, our school's gay straight Alliance. And like, I'm an advisor for that, that we started last year um, in part through just like being someone who's listening and caring to caring about these kids. Can you talk a little bit more about the gay straight Alliance and what that club does? Yeah. So the, the gay straight Alliance, um, and for the record, I am a straight white man and I talk about that in, as we talk about identity and privilege and all of those things. Um, but I, I really like, I had this core group of kids that were, really comfortable both with like who they are and then with me. And I think that comforts just kind of come or came from how I conduct my classroom and how I set things up. Um, but I had this core group of kids that I started advocating for. Um, three of them were, uh, trans high school kids and one of them was a gay kid and it was just a really interesting relationship that we were able to form and like during the whole quarantine time one of my students like they log into their google meets or their zooms and it pops up their name as their email address calls it and that was based off their names and like our grade system and so one of my students was terrified to say anything or make any noise during class because if he did it would pop up with his his dead name there and he didn't want any of his transphobic classmates to be you know have a reason to make fun of him or draw attention to him and so part of the GSA came from like me just being the person to go to bat for these kids and so I like hunted down like the four people within our entire school district and was like, Hey, we need to change this kid's name in our system. Like, how do we do that? Um, and so it was in part just like me naturally caring for and listening to, and like being a voice for these kids that felt like they had no voice, um, to them, like evolving into the art room is the safe place for people to come and like, be who they are to like figure out who they are um i've had a kid who's this semester has asked me to call them by three or four different names and like i'm okay with that i'm like they know that if they bounce a name off me i'll just be like yeah sure like i'll call you by that now um 
so yeah, my administration was really supportive of me launching the GSA. And um, I think it's been an incredible little resource in my in my little neck of the woods over here. Yeah, I think that the arts is a safe haven for um, people who maybe don't feel like they fit in. I mean, I reflect on my high school experience, and I feel like a lot of those students, those kids that I, you know, were my classmates that weren't, you know, popular, you know, might have identified differently, um, found found a place in the art community, in art classes, and all, like, gravitated towards our art teacher. And you mentioned, you know, like, you're also the counselor. Um, and... I, I can I can feel that when you say that I feel that because I you know took art in high school really enjoyed it felt like it was very therapeutic to me I don't yeah. really consider myself an artist now but I have that that desire to want to create art um, yeah and so I think I think that those things complement each other really really nicely um, in a in a world where you know stereotypes are are harsh to kids in school and. Um, you know, we try to label everything and I think it's really, um, inclusive of you to let your students be who they want to be, um, and who they are and that changes. And, you know, we've all changed over time and hopefully, you know, we do because we're supposed to, that's what growing is. So, um, but yeah, it's been fun to like, the way my art works is like we have class time to do work. And so we are launching into projects and then it's like, you need to work on your project. And I'm like the expert in the room. So I'm going to be floating around and, and a lot of that advocacy for my LGBTQ students just kind of came from like listening to the needs that they had. Um, whether that's, I mean, like a kid who gets kicked out because his parents find out that he's not straight to like the kid that's terrified to say something in class because like the kid two rows back is going to make fun of him. Like I hear those things. Um, and then I, I just can't (laughs) not do anything. And so the kids realize that and like the kids know that that comes from a, a very caring place. And so I, I just kind of gathered my little flock around me unintentionally. <laughs> I love it. That's, yeah, that's, and, you know, and that was, that was one of the things that I, that I try to tell all of my teacher ed candidates when, when they were first coming. I'm like, um, you need to understand that, that students aren't going to like your content. Um, you do because you majored in it. Um, like what they're what they're going to do is they're is they're going to do your content if they know that you care about them. Um, and and I think that's that's one of the one of the greatest things that when we when we see faculty like you and um, and it's it's funny um, one of the one of the other people that we that we had on on this on this podcast he's a straight white male he formed a gay gay club for his for his for his high school students also mm-hmm. um, you know and and it's and it's popular and it's and it's growing um, so thank you 
you know, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I, I remember when, as a, you know, as a teacher, when, when these clubs were, were, were first forming, there was a lot of trepidation, yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of questions, a lot of, you know, and, and some of us were like, it's a club for kids. What, what's, what's right. the deal? <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. Um, now one of the things what you were, you were talking about is technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's, that's been one of the questions that, that I've had about art is where, where do you see the visual arts um, in about 15 to 20 years? Is it, is it going to change? How is it going to change? Um, uh, because there's, and, you know, I, I see a lot of people, um, in photography, you know, where, or now, you know, we could just use a, use different filters on our, you know, on our phones and then we take it and and it blows up into something beautiful. And I'm like, is that cheating? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's on like, so, so how do you see it? So I think technology is a really interesting element because we, well, putting on my art historian hat. Um, so I'm a, a volunteer professor through one of our local community colleges. So that way I can um, teach uh, art history. And so it's a year long class that it's, like Western art from prehistory up to contemporary times. And we just in the last month or so talked about the invention of photography and how photography changed and kind of revolutionized the world, the way that images are viewed um, and that things become a sense of like information. So famous paintings are kind of stripped of some of their their aura or their mystique and then they're turned into information that can be transmitted through. And so I think where we're at is we see like there is still very much an interest in the physical arts, um, whether that's drawing or painting or sculpting. I think that like we as a species have this innate desire to create. And I don't think that's going to go away even if we are all living in like some VR simulated universe. Like we're still going to like (laughs) unplug and like pick up a pencil and like draw something on paper or like carve something into the furniture. Like that (laughs) desire is going to always be there. And so I think that like technology is going to is going to and is changing art. Um, the whole like NFT craze is, I think, just the tip of the iceberg on one of the direction that's that that's going to go. Um, there are artists out there who are creating art with like the assistance of artificial intelligences. Um, and so I think that what we're going to see is as technology continues to develop, the way that people incorporate that technology into their art practices is going to continue evolving right in step. But I don't think that at any point that's going to make like the act of like picking up a brush and moving 
like liquid color on a canvas or on a wall. Like, I don't think that's going to ever really go away because there's something that like we need as a species that is very like tactilely fulfilling in creating something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, um, I always worry about that, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about what you were talking about is, um, AI doing, doing art. And then it's like, mm-hmm. what is, what does that mean? You know, you know, sure. There's someone who's, uh, who's behind that tech. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, what, what does that mean? And so I, I think one of the questions, um, um, that I also want to ask is how, how important is, is art throughout the, through, throughout the curriculum? In, in lieu of automation, I think art is going to be one of the most important categories or subject matters that kids can learn in the years coming up. Um, like in my, in my school district, there's a, a GM plant that shut down, I think back in like 2008. And so when that was in operation, it employed something in like the 70 or 80% of like families in wow. the district were somehow employed within that GM plant. And then due to automation, those jobs disappeared. Um, And we're looking at like in our country, the vast majority of like male jobs are as drivers, like driving delivery trucks, driving semis. And we are like on the cusp of technology that's going to make those jobs, maybe not like, gone, but they're going to change drastically as well. And the amount of people needed is going to change. Um, and so where I think art comes in is both on like the creating art side, but just a lot more pulling it back into the curriculum. Um, art, the skills and abilities that you develop when you're producing art are widely translated to any field that you pursue as a person. Um, So if I'm talking about observational drawing and we're like learning how to like map out what we see and how to put that on a paper, we're looking at these really high functioning cognitive skills of like creates visualizing something in your head and then working backwards to get that out on a piece of paper. Um, if we think of like preparing students to be successful in the job force in the world in the next 20, 30 years, like the, the issues that they're going to face, the jobs that they're going to be looking at are things beyond what we can reasonably comprehend now. And so being able to think and problem solve creatively is I think one of the hallmarks of being being human. And so if we're doing a painting, I'm making my students do four thumbnail sketches or come up with four different ideas for that painting. And then the thing that they might end up making might not be any of those four, or it might be a combination of those four, but like the process of <clears throat> visual problem solving is widely translatable to any other field. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's um, like one of the things that I've been trying to do is to get grants in, in order to help out, um, help out art, art teachers and, 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 and students by, by putting on like a, like a, like a two night, two night community wide um, art gala where, um, where we showcase student, student art and then allow community members to come in and purchase it, um, you know, just to be, because, you know, once again, even though I make, you know, make my little cracks about, about art, um, yeah. you know, there's, I think one of the mis, misnomers about, about art is that you can't do anything with it, with, which, you know, you just eloquently said, there's a lot that you could do with it. Um, we're just not allowing it. We're not, we're not using um, all of the art skills that that are learned in order to in, to infiltrate things like history and math and um, you know everything else because there's all those critical pieces that 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 could align with it. Yeah. Uh, well, and like with the the history tie-in, like I think of the, the way that like I learned history as a student, and like what we were assessed on was oftentimes like memorizing like dates and things, but then also like starting to look at like context to those. And so I love my art history class because we'll start off each chapter being like, here's a time period and here's like a place. And I want my, I tell my students, I was like, tell me everything you know from like world studies, from American history, from those classes, because we're going to tie all that into the art that's being made. And so we start looking at like paintings from the era of like the French revolutions and the kids are like, oh, like this is how like I can see ideological shifts within populations, like through looking at two paintings from 20 years apart. Yeah. yeah. So that cross-curricular element, something that like I get frustrated that like we don't have more time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because time is a commodity. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when we're short on time, we cut the arts out of school, right? Um, I liked seeing STEAM as an initiative, but I feel yeah. like that's not, it hasn't quite held as strongly as STEM, right? Because it's right. the, you know, the deeper, more meaningful, heavy topics. And adding that art is just, you know, a luxury. But yeah, as an artist, what do you wish to show others? Or does it matter? That's a good question. I oftentimes feel like I identify more as an art teacher than I do as an artist. Um, Like I've gotten, I wrote an artist statement this last week specific for the, the artwork that I was hanging up on Friday. And I like kept kind of hovering my cursor over like he is an artist and a visual art teacher. And I kept like switching which of those went first because I'm like, here I am showing my artwork as an artist, but I, I ended up landing on just like putting that visual art teacher first, because I think that that's more central to like who I am and what I do than like the artwork itself. Um, and so as an artist, I, I enjoy making 
things that I think are interesting. Um, combining, I guess, combining colors and techniques in ways that like I find pleasing or that like my curious mind kind of lands on and gets stuck with. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I just want more people to be creating, um, because I think that it's, it's so key to our like mental well-being as individuals and like the, the well-being of society. I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. Cause it's, I think one of the things that I've, that I've learned about art, um, uh, I used I, I took a I took the I took a class as an undergrad the history of Mexican and Chicano art um, and yeah. all the way from from the you know glyphs that were being chiseled um, mm-hmm. you know pre-Columbian Mexico to to current um, you know the you know muralists that are out there and, and in fact right. I'm, I'm I'm going to go to a to a to a Frida Frida Kahlo um, exhibit this upcoming Sunday um, because she's like my all-time favorite. Yeah, which may say something about <laughs> which I hope it does. But um, but but no, I think I think what you just said is is true. We need people. Well, I'm I'm hoping people could look at art um, as a as a way of expression. Um, and then we could just take, take time to kind of appreciate it because there's, you know, there's, there's certain types of art that I, that I'm really not into, but there's others that I, that, that I am, but then those that I really don't like, I'm like, I could appreciate it. You know, I, I, I I could kind of see what's, what's, what's taking place. And, and as a, and by identifying as a art teacher, I think that I think that says something about you and what your vision is. And but um, one of the things that we that we like to end every every podcast with uh, is is by asking each each one of our guests what their call to action is. Um, the the one thing that you would wish for people to take away from you. So, Matthew, what is your call to action? I. I've been thinking about this for a while since I listened to both my brother and my mom's <laughs> interviews with you. Um, and I kept, I kept kind of coming back to two small things. And so I'm going to make it kind of a, a two part call to action. Sure. Um, one is specific to like, teachers and people in education and then one's kind of broadly to anyone and everyone who's out there um and the first is to like be be sensitive to those who don't feel like they have a voice um tying back into the lgbtq and like the the art kids being kind of like the the weird art kids um like be sensitive enough to like listen and give your attention to the people who need your attention, um, or to be a voice for the voiceless, so to speak. Um, and then the second call to action kind of broadly to, 
anyone who's listening, is to just create more, whether that's music or gardening or like cooking in fun ways or painting or drawing, like just start making more. Um, And I think society would be a better place if we just had more people making more things. So specific for you, Fred, is unwrap that canvas and like make a mark on it. Um, One thing I do with my kids when they're like sitting there in front of the blank white page, because that's oftentimes the most intimidating thing is I'll just take like a, my pencil as I'm walking by and I'll just like make a mark across the page because (laughs) making that first mark is the most terrifying thing. And so even if it's just like taking paint and like, I'm going to paint this white canvas, like yellow to have a yellow ground on it or whatever, um, make that first mark. So cool. Be a voice for the voiceless and create more in whatever. I love it. Fields you have. That's cool. Thanks, Matt. You've inspired me to go off and create, get my paints out, do that more. So this was really enjoyable. Thanks for sharing your story with us and thanks for being here today. And um, I appreciate all the work that you're doing with your students. Well, thank you. Thank you.